0: Hi, it's Nachum Siegel, and this is JM Rewind. We now have an opportunity to check out some of the recent conversations we had in Dubai on this edition of JM Rewind here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, and we are on day number three of a three-day journey to Dubai. Amazing and incredible. We've been covering this story all through this week, just like we've been uh, discussing over the last couple of months, this amazing historic agreement between Israel and the UAE and what it's done uh, to our community worldwide, what it's done to Israel, and what it's done uh, here in Dubai. It has been an incredible and amazing journey, as we have seen up close and personal, uh, just the uh, uh, amazing influx of people from Israel and the amazing reception that those people from Israel are getting here in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. We have a full team here, of course, as we broadcast from 7,000 miles away and bring you special guests. And we are heading into our uh, first hour this morning with a very, very special guest. Somebody who can enlighten us about life here in Dubai and certainly can give us an amazing perspective when it comes to the business Community here in Dubai. He is the Deputy Managing Director of Oasis Investments. He is Vice Chair of Al Shirawi uh, Group of Companies. He is a founding member of the UAE Israel Business Council. Um, Thani, uh, Thani Al-Shirawi, correct?
1: You you pronounced it perfectly. Oh,
0: I'm very proud of myself, <laughs> especially this early in the show. And it is an honor to welcome you to what we call our JM and the AM radio broadcast. I
1: mean, the honor is mine. This is my first radio uh, interview uh, in the States, so uh, I am uh, on top of the moon at the moment. <laughs> Much
0: appreciated. <laughs> I thank you for that. Um, well, I mean, let's start with what life was like before there was an agreement between the UAE and Israel. Because one of the things, frankly, that we've discovered, none of us have been to the UAE before, Mm -hmm. is that for the last few decades, the UAE had been building up an incredible residential area, plus an amazing tourist destination. So what was it like here for the decades before there was a direct relationship between Israel and the UAE?
1: Uh... I am not that old or i would (laughs) say i'm young
0: i'm uh, 45 years old
1: and uh, i've seen uh, three dubais the dubai that i grew up in as a teenager uh, was i would say a small city Uh, where we are at the moment uh, was desert there was nothing here i remember it like yesterday Uh, the airport that you came in was literally 5% in in, in size. And then Dubai grew. uh, And uh, the Dubai of my 20s and early 30s was the starting of the transformation. And I would say that was the uh, turning point when we saw the desert getting further and further uh, away from the city. And uh, we saw more high rises coming up. Uh, more foreigners, while as a as a city, Dubai being a trading hub for decades, we are used to foreigners. Uh, we locals are the minority here, and we were okay with it. We were uh, we were never feeling threatened. We always had people from the sub uh, from the sub-Indian continent. We had people from East Africa. We had uh, from other Arab countries, uh, Europeans, and even some uh, from Persia. But uh, this was when more people started coming, started seeing more nationalities that were not used to: Brazilian, Canadians, uh, Dutch. We had German, but we didn't have Dutch. We had uh, Spanish. We didn't have Portuguese. So that was, I would say, a transformation. Mm -hmm. And Dubai was becoming more international. I mean, no longer. I mean, I studied in the States from 93 to 97. Whenever anybody asked me, where are you from? And I would say, well, do you know Saudi Arabia? They say, yes, <laughs> because it was after the Gulf War. Right. Okay. Uh, yes, we are next door. And, but then I stopped saying Saudi Arabia because, you know, right away they used to ask me, can women drive in your country? Okay. And here, women, <laughs> I mean, it, unlike Saudi Arabia, uh, women here, uh, I would say we portray ourselves as uh, being a patriarch uh, society. But let me tell you, we are not. Uh, uh, the women wear the pants. <laughs> not the men <laughs> there are plenty of roles here <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> exactly and then dubai of today dubai of today is an international place dubai, I no longer have to say where is dubai on the contrary now from where is dubai has turned wow you you're from dubai and that is a big difference for us as locals uh, and growing up uh, and growing up uh, here we're
0: proud of our city we're happy of uh, what we have achieved in a very, very short time. We'll talk about Israel in a moment, but Thani, if I may, when you were studying in the U.S. in the mid-90s, that was where? In what state of the U.S.? Uh, for one year, I was in Texas, and for three years, I was in, uh, I was in Boston. And there's a, an impression, uh, I think, among most Americans that, um, that people from this side of the world, people who live in this neighborhood, so to speak, yes. Saudi Arabia and its surrounding area, yes. uh, are, are of a certain background— Uh, Maybe limited education. I think that might be an impression, especially in the 90s, that that people may have had there. And then you come there, and they discover that there's somebody who's not just somebody, but you're representing thousands, if not so many more, yes. that want to advance and want to take advantage of an American education in their own country. Uh, definitely, and the country w- uh, and the country itself, the countries, I would say, in this
1: t- in this uh, neighborhood, not only the United Arab Emirates were encouraging that; right. they were uh, sponsoring and sending students on scholarships, especially for fields that we needed, such as medicine, such as uh, theori- uh, theoretical science, fields s- that were lacking. Here uh, f- and had to be filled. Exactly, exactly. And some of the fields al- uh, also. And uh, some countries were even. Uh, uh, uh Discussing with some banks or some companies in the United States to give internship experience right. to uh, to the uh, to the students, and uh, I was one of the guys that benefited from.
2: So,
0: what was there. your impression? I mean, Texas and Boston. Okay, we're from New York, but well, and I assume you visited New York at, um, at a certain I, time. I love that. Situation. So, what what are your impressions? Because we came here. Knowing that New York is the capital of the world, quote unquote, yes, and started saying to ourselves, you know, there may be a shift because this capital of the world and you know where everybody gravitates to—that's such a, so attractive. We we think that this area now, after just being here a couple of days, could actually take some of that away from New York. Do you still think New York is at the top of the list when it comes to uh, this category? First of all, let me give
1: uh, uh, myself and our leaders a pat on the back for a New Yorker to say oh that yeah. he thinks that we are <laughs> uh, we are, I mean, I know New Yorkers, how proud they are and living in Boston, I experienced it, I mean, whenever I went to New York to visit and I tell them I'm from Boston, I experienced it <laughs> firsthand. <laughs> Even that <that's> degree? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I could not walk in the streets wearing a Boston Red Sox uh, hat, yes. Yeah. (laughs) They were, I mean, uh, for God's sake, uh, they still, I mean, Boston. Trust me, Uh, they're still public enemy number one in New York. (laughs) I I know, I know. I mean, uh, Boston did not forget Babe Ruth and New York. They remind us every single time about... About Babe Ruth, <laughs> so uh, and that was a long time. Ago. Exactly, exactly, and living uh, two streets away from Fenway Park. Okay, is that so, where you were? <laughs> exactly, in exactly. the middle of College Town. Yeah, yeah, and on uh, Brookline uh, yeah. Street. If you've sure. been there, uh, there sure. is a huge uh, synagogue. I was That's literally, correct. I was uh, literally ten meters away. Unbelievable. Uh, so uh, uh, I would say the uh, Dubai. Uh, okay. It's very difficult today to say uh, one country or one city to be the capital. Right. But definitely, uh, uh, I would not, I will still put New York ahead. Uh, you have many laps ahead of us. Uh, but I would say Dubai is up there.
0: Especially Uh, in the tourism
1: category. Especially in the tourism category. Uh, That we've achieved. Of course, we don't have the nightlife uh, or the music. I mean, I love the musicals. Uh, When I go there every night, I am. Those
0: shows aren't gravitating here yet. Not yet. I
1: mean, the cultural side hasn't come yet. Let me put it this way. While the investments are here, to our size, not in New York size. The investments are here. The tourists we get, uh, the city tourists. I mean, a lot of New Yorkers, uh, they don't come for the culture. They come for the city tourists, for the buzz. For the, electric, for the for the, concrete yeah. jungle,
0: as I, they call I it. I come for the space, frankly, because, <laughs> you know, in Manhattan, we're really cramped. And yes. here, it's yes. just amazing how you build <laughs> yes. and, the, and the type of space we get to enjoy. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if, uh,
1: actually, if you go to the other uh, cities in the country, you will even find it bigger. I mean, they actually, like how you explain Manhattan to us, right. we explain Dubai to them, right.
0: <laughs> that our place is cramped. Frankly, only in Scandinavia did I feel comfortable being this size until I got here. Here. I, oh. I felt finally there's some room to, to move around for somebody my size.
1: Uh, are you sure? Because I visit Sweden quite often, yeah. and uh, a lot of times I have to walk into the room sideways <laughs> because <Interesting. laughs> it's, uh, it's tight. <laughs> well, if you
0: notice, the, ta- the tables and counters are much <laughs> yes. higher than the United States. Yes. Let's put yes. it that way. Yes. So now we get to the Israel piece, of and, and you know why we're here. We're yeah. here because of this incredible story that we're trying to bring to our listeners. Uh, everyone knows about it, and the people that listen yeah. to us are familiar with the deal. Yes. But coming... and. Seeing it with our own eyes, hearing it with our own ears is simply remarkable definitely We have spoken to people that were stunned, especially on the Jewish Israeli side, that were stunned in August when all this started to quickly develop. Was it as stunning here? Did you expect that there would be a UAE Israel friendship and one that would accelerate the way this has uh, to be honest, uh, this is an uh, uh,
1: an old desperation for the that I've been having for the past ten years I've been reaching out to, uh, to uh, uh, through social, uh, I mean, thanks to social I mean, to right. social media, it right. has good things too. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. I was reaching to people in Israel, discussing. I like, I mean, being a history buff and, and I love discussions about philosophy, about religion. So I was discussing with Israelis a lot of points, politics, uh, religion. And uh, uh, when I talk to somebody, my point is not to convince them, nor nor uh, my job is for them to hear my point of view and f- to hear their point of view. And then at the end of the day you be the judge of whatever you want to believe. Uh, so uh, I was listening to them and I was aspiring for peace. From I would say from the second half of my teens uh, I was aspiring for peace. I read a quote by Napoleon himself being a warlord. He said, the second worst thing uh, after a, a, the second worst thing in a battle is winning when he saw his soldiers uh, dead on mm-hmm. uh, in the field. So, the same thing I would say, w- regardless who won and who lost the war, okay, we lost um, all of the wars. But if you go to the family of, uh, of, uh, uh, of, uh, uh, of, uh, okay, sorry, if you go to a family that have lost a loved one in a war and you tell them we won the war, how do you think they would feel? Mm-hmm. How do you think they would feel? They'd so say
0: at a very, very big cost. Exactly,
1: yeah. they lost a brother, and yep. a father, a mother, a cousin,
0: a son. You know that everyone in Israel can relate to what you're saying. 100 percent, 100
1: right? percent, 100 percent. percent. So, uh, w- w- why can't we can't why can't we be friends and then negotiate peace? Because if you're negotiating peace with adversaries, you're playing poker. Let us let us face it. If you are negotiating with uh, with adversaries, but if you are negotiating with friends you are building a partnership and we need to build a partnership so i'm not a politician i'm not a diplomat i'm a businessman and uh Okay, some people nowadays call me a peace s- 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 a propagator. Okay, so so yes, uh, I was reaching out and August, and I was loud on social media. I uh, I even changed my belief in the word Zionism that has been vilified in the Arab world. It's been vilified in my education system, myself here here. Here, I mean, until 1990, we were not allowed to say Israel in school. We used to call it the Zionist re- regime without understanding what does Zionism mean. So, <laughs> so they never explained to us what does Zionism mean. It just it's an evil thing. It's a bad thing. So when I understood the word Zionism, I changed. When I was reading books here and there about about the about the problem and about what does Zionism really, really mean, I was saying, for God's sake, why are we fighting? We are both saying the same thing in a different way. We are looking at the same crystal, but we are looking, looking at it from a different angle, so the reflection is different. But we are holding the same crystal. So then I was trying to explain Zionism to my fellow Arabs and Muslims. What does Zionism mean? Zionism is coexistence. Zionism is pluralism. It's the right of the Jewish people to live in the Holy Land with everybody else. It Nowhere it says kick somebody else, kick out. Now, if a small group of people use this slogan for uh, f- uh, to do... Uh, some actions and they justified it you don't blame the ideology you don't blame zionism you blame these people in islam we've had lots of people and you as new yorker you've suffered of people from that i share with them a race a red religion that have vilified my religion my religion that i love my religion that i believe in i'm a devout muslim I believe in my religion. And my religion, unfortunately, has been vilified in, th- in the world.
0: I mean, you know. You were in the United
1: States. You know the general impression. Thank God I was there before September 11. I wouldn't have imagined how would I feel if I was there at some, uh, during September, uh, September 11. Uh, I, was that a terribly sad day for you? A hundred percent. Because three, day, three months after that, I was on my honeymoon. And I was in there. Suddenly, the guy in the elevator taking me to the top floor. Suddenly, I remembered him—the guy in the souvenir shop. I remembered him, the guy that I took, uh that that uh, that uh, takes f- uh, pi- pi- pictures for for souvenir. I remembered them. Suddenly, all of these just appeared. It was I mean, all the I, innocent people. All the, I mean, what did they have to do? I mean, Mr. Bin Laden. Okay, what did you achieve? You made made uh, uh, made me. Uh, made people think that I'm a terrorist. These people that have nothing to do. If you have a problem with the United States, why do you hit why? Do, I mean, they're not even collateral damage. I mean, you're at, you you targeted them, and he did it in the name of your religion, exactly. which makes it even so much more painful. Exactly. So, so that's the point that we need. That I was trying to address when somebody does something, and this hits close to Arabs and Muslims because we know we are not terrorists. There is a less than one percent of people that believe in that ideology, that evil ideology that have vilified
0: Islam, uh, and. And we, it hurts us. Are the majority of Muslims happy with this new relationship with Israel? Or uh, majority is the wrong word to use? Uh,
1: the majority, unfortunately, I'll be very honest with you, the majority is, uh, is uh, the wrong word to use. But uh, we are in a country that we believe in our leadership a lot. Our leadership, years after years, have proven to us that they want our welfare. We are not the only country with oil but look into the other countries iran has oil what, what did iran do with that oil iraq has oil what did iraq do that to, to do with their oil venezuela has oil what did they do with that with that oil kuwait has oil uh, Saudi Arabia has uh, has oil. It, this, it's important what you do with it. And, and our leadership have proven that they want our welfare. So there, there, there is a percentage of people that are like me, that are on cloud nine. I can't wait till the COVID is over to visit Israel. I can't wait. Uh, and there are some people that are reserved. Because don't forget, we've been adversaries in our education system, on the newspaper and before August 13, uh, we were adversaries. And uh, on August 13th, suddenly you cannot expect a switch. But, but it seems that way. It's mm. so interesting.
2: Mm.
1: Because because of us accepting f- foreigners. We are okay with foreigners. Right. We we had a lot of Jewish people visit. We had a lot of Jewish people Just visit Just not from here. Israel. But not from Israel. Right. Okay, because even before, we were saying we do not have a problem with the Jewish faith. We had the problem with Israel right. as being an adversary. Yeah. yeah, with the politics. But now, like me, like me, I want the peace with the Israelis and the Palestinians. If, if one state, two state, that's not up to me. My, my leadership has that two
0: states. You would recommend to your colleagues in the PA to sit down at the... At a real peace table. Uh, if I can use a word stronger than recommend, I would use. Uh, I
1: would uh, implore them. Exactly, to... <laughs> exactly, because they need to sit across the table and read somewhere. But first, if they if they give themselves opportunity, if they give them the Palestinians, the poor Palestinian who is living there, an opportunity to work with the Israelis, become and become friends, become family and it is then it is easier to negotiate peace with friends
0: you know we've we've traveled the world thank god we've had this opportunity with this with this network and we've never come across jewish leadership speak about the leaders of their host country the way we heard today the way we heard the rabbis and those who are leaders in our community who would never have a reason to mention the leadership of their country but made a point to tell us how grateful they are the way they are treated here and the way their institutions are treated here. hundred percent. I mean,
1: we are very lucky with our leadership, and that is why we, uh, we love our le- le- leadership and trust them. I mean, years after, I mean, even before the sanctions with Iran, we had a lot of business with Iran. The, when the government started warning us, and then, and then later we saw th- it's
0: Right. They so, knew what they were doing. They knew yeah, what they were saying.
1: Yeah. So now, with Israel, a lot of people are saying that let's wait and see. Let's wait and see what, uh, what happens. Again, I mean, I, I don't want to take a lot of your time because we grew up with Palestinians. Right. My teachers
0: were Palestinians. But you're obviously not a wait-and-see guy if you're a member of the UAE Israel Business Council. You're already somebody willing to, to sit down and start getting some, some business going. Uh, I've already signed. You're late. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I've already signed so you, you, uh,
1: you, MOUs. You I've already signed MOUs. Oh, there you go. Uh, okay. So you've jumped in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full force. It was your I, companies are generally in what area of business? Uh, we are in fifteen different industries. All different. It different. be uh, yeah.
0: it could be oil, real estate, it could be anything.
1: Everything. So what I mean for uh f- for me, being a businessman, I mean, I mean, I'm a businessman, I've been a businessman for twenty-three years.
0: Israel was a market I couldn't tap. And you and you saw the tech industry there, what was happening? Not only tech, uh, the agriculture oh, oh are there other <laughs> <laughs> industries in <laughs> water filtration,
1: right. ag- agriculture. I mean, right. The agriculture in Israel is number one by far. By far. It's like uh, uh, it's, it's an, an league of its own, the agricultural industry in, in uh, Israel. And what they have done without much of water. Hats off. Hats off. And this is something that, we, uh, that I need to admire and learn. But one thing that we can complete in this piece to Israel, Israel is the startup nation. UAE is the scale up nation mm. we can reach be- because of our logistical power w- dubai is one of the few cities in the world and the united arab emirates one of the few countries in the world that can say we can reach every nook and cranny in the world the only the only uh, state that w- uh, sorry the only continent that we can't reach easily is antarctica And we brought some penguins here in the malls as ambassadors to to, to that continent. And I hear that they're enjoying their stay here. (laughs) They are. They are. They are. So the UAE can scale up the innovation of Israel to the whole world.
0: So in general, any country that would seek your help and advice... You're ready to help them in whatever area is possible. 100%. They just have to want to, to grow and, and want to service their citizens properly. We have 100%. a lot of dictatorships around the world that would not have an interest in helping the people who live in their country. But 100%. those who would want to help, you're there I mean, for them. I mean,
1: Palestine is an example. The, the Palestinian, if you ask a Palestinian on the street, what does he want? A safe house and food on the table. That's it. But his, their leadership, they are making money out of this stalemate. Yeah. I think talking Netflix language, I think everybody nowadays have watched the Queen's uh, Gambit, right. and I would imagine this is a game that they have stopped the clock, and they're staring at each other and not moving. This is what the Palestinian Authority is doing with uh, with uh, with Israel at the moment. They are not moving forward. They are they are even they've stopped the clock. So there is no discussion whatsoever. So regardless of what people feel of the of of uh, Israel left or uh, or the Israeli right, if they want peace or not, Palestinians have not given them the the option for the people to know who wants peace and doesn't. Leave the rhetoric. The r- r- rhetoric it might be for uh, uh, elections, yeah. and you j- and you just came from a country that just finished an election, so you understand an what interesting does, one. What uh, very much, <laughs> and you understand what does election. R- r- uh, uh, election rhetoric mean. So leave that. So in Israel, the uh, the Palestinians have not given them a chance, and I blame the Palestinian leadership. I don't blame the poor Palestinian. The Palestinian leadership have fed their people a mirage and have put them in such a bad economic situation that, for God's sake, uh, being a believer in uh, in uh, heaven and in heaven and hell. I think uh, the Palestinian Authority have uh, booked uh, first-class ticket to hell.
0: Wow. Uh, unbelievable. What an honor to have you here. Thank Thani, you very Thani much. Thani Al-Shirawi. Thank you very Humor much. Humor me. Tell me something you miss about America. Tell me something. A product, a, uh, something I'm in Times Square. I don't know. Is there anything you miss about the okay. U.S.? Okay. Uh, are you a Giants fan? No, but I'm a big football. Fan. I'm a Jets fan, but I'm a big Are you a football an American
1: football fan? Dallas Cowboys. Seriously? And we are having a tough year. We got our butts kicked you can this say that morning. Again. We got our butt kicked so bad it's both cheeks are hurting me.
0: Who who beat them? Who beat them?
1: Ravens. The Ravens beat them? Yeah, okay, we are not playing with our startup quarterback, but uh, uh, <laughs> to me, American football is God's gift to humanity, and I mean it. And I'm not saying this because I'm sitting with an American right now. It's God's gift to humanity, not soccer. American football is God's gift to humanity, and I'm ready to more discuss than it. baseball. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Baseball is nice; it's, it's fun. Fenway Park. Right. No, no, no. F- See, baseball is a is a social game. Right. You can enjoy the game, right. and at the it's more about the eating, the talking, the yeah. observing. Yeah. Seventh, the right. eighth, ninth right. inning, your blood pressure goes up. <laughs> American football, no, from the coin toss. From the coin toss. <laughs> You hear this? Uh, From, yeah. the toss. From the coin From the I mean, uh, I'm proud that I was there, and uh, I was there during the Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, that Michael Irvin. That uh, was your era. And Novacek. That was my era. Ken Norton, before he goes to San Francisco. <laughs> you remember that? He won I, Super I Bowls that. with both Dallas and San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean he had it back to back. Correct. actually three years with, in a row. With because two he had teams. he had two years right. with the Cowboys. <laughs> then one year th- one year where <laughs> Dion Sanders stole that uh, in NFC <laughs> conference from us, then he came over to us. This is amazing. <laughs> this is absolutely amazing. Uh, an honor to meet you. Thank, thank, you, thank you very for much for being here today. Thank you very and much. You have an amazing country. Thank you very and please much. Please
0: tell everybody you deal with how amazing this country is.
1: Thank you very much. And and uh, and 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 again while I love Dallas Cowboys, but I prefer New York over Dallas City Amen. any
0: day. Amen. Any day. Uh, to to commemorate the fact that now you'll be able to tell everybody uh, among your family and friends that you were actually part of our historic broadcast, we have a memento, and that is our Nahum Siegel Network Dubai 2020 I'll T-shirt. Wear it with pride. I appreciate I'll that wear it very, with pride. very much. And I promise you, because you because you like that, I
1: the fact that I like American. Uh, Football, F- football. The next Dallas Cowboys game, I'll I'll watch. I'll be wearing this. Phenomenal. So hopefully Outside. it is my good. Uh, hopefully it's my good luck charm. It better be a good luck charm. Uh, as we say
0: here, inshallah. Inshallah. That's right. <laughs> Thani, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Unbelievable. Thank uh, you, Thani Al Shirawi. Unbelievable. Great conversation, and uh, what a an honor to be um, uh, to be visited, and have this audience uh, be addressed by the deputy managing director of Oasis Investments and a founding member of the UAE Israel. Business Council, just unbelievable. Uh, Third day of our journey to Dubai as uh, we continue here at JM in the AM. And um, I want to thank all of our sponsors. I want to thank all the people who made it possible for us to be here on this incredible journey. Our chairman, Ralph Rosenbaum of Rosenbaum Financial Services is, uh, is looking on. Neil Petch is with us. Uh, Neil is founder and chair of the Virtue Group, has spent, uh, I believe, over the last 10 years in this region, uh, he has established 16,500 businesses. That's the statistic that's been given to us. We will confirm that with Neil in a moment. An honor to welcome you to our JM and the AM broadcast from Dubai.
3: Honour to be here, sir. And finally, one of my team under-exaggerates. 40,000 companies. It's 40,000. 26 years in the region. My gosh,
0: unbelievable! What was it like? Twenty six years ago, I now drive
3: ago? like an Emirati, <laughs> which, which I can spend ten minutes explaining what that means. Oh, is to it a you. different
0: culture of driving? <laughs> it is a, a driving in
3: Dubai is, is quite something actually, because you've got this whole range of of people. You have English who've just arrived from England. We join a line wherever there is a line or right. a queue, as we like to call All it. Right. There are um, perhaps people from the subcontinent who are a little bit timid. Then there are people like me who think I'm Emirati, so I believe. I've got half of the uh, culture <laughs> of, of still queuing. So I think that's what Dubai is. It's a
0: smorgasbord of everything,
3: everything and hopefully the best things uh, uh, combined.
0: What was it like 26 years ago? I would assume much different than what I've seen over the last couple of days. Well, the big road you can see
3: now, You used to be able to pull U-turns on us if there wasn't a camel. Not, not uh, anymore. Uh, right? There, I live on the palm. I would be drowning uh, now because obviously that wasn't right. uh, there. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just... An incredible. I mean, it's just a massive thrill, and and uh, you know, to to be. I think when you study economy, there's going to be two chapters on Dubai, and perhaps we're making a third chapter
0: now with what we're doing with Israel, I which would, is just I super would, exciting. I would certainly uh, venture to say that. Um, so now th- this, uh, you, you get here because you're attracted to what? Twenty six years ago, was it investment possibilities? Was it a a job offer? There has to be a reason. Why you decided to... Absolutely. Uh, Firstly, I have to
3: say, with apologies to uh, uh, the rulers, I didn't know where Dubai was 26 (laughs) years ago. I'd lived in in, uh, a number of uh, countries in the Middle East and a lot of countries all over the world. My father was in the aviation uh, business. I was offered an opportunity to set up a a, a company uh, here called Uh ITP. And that was the first time
0: you walked into this um, country. And
3: guess what? I, I managed, as part of my journey, to launch a radio nice and and have still survived. I wonder you sound so good on the air. Oh, thank you. I have the face for radio, right? So uh, he knows um, all the got <laughs> So yeah, we we two of us set up a company. We grew it to six hundred people, seventy magazines. Back in back in the days when people right. just read magazines, and uh, that that was the the start of the journey. And and it's just constantly what what I learned from Dubai is is being an entrepreneur. And in, in the short space of time that I have seen how Emiratis and, and Israelis and Jews are working together, I think we're learning again now the ability to get straight down to business. Before and, we get and, to
0: the Israel piece, mm-hmm. is, is of the forty, fifty thousand, 50,000, whatever the exact yeah. figure is, uh, is the majority of your business interests in one category? Are they very diverse? How would you describe them?
3: Incredibly diverse. So when we started um, 12 years ago, Zone set up 12 years ago, it was, we actually started in joint venture with uh, the ruler of one of the seven Emirates, Fajira, actually, um, and we represented exclusively selling Fajira trade licenses. Fajira is, is, happens to be the Emirate that is on the Indian Ocean mm. side. Um, of the UAE um, it's an absolutely wonderful uh, uh, place and and you know is is uh, uh, less uh, um, uh, leading in the in those times than, than Dubai so they gave us that opportunity we represented there was a free zone in existence free zone for your uh, listeners is as you know uh, there's a whole gamut of companies that one can set up offshore companies right. would uh, most of them would be familiar with Delaware and the states and, and with BVI Cayman Island and Mauritius, etc. etc. We have uh, uh, those uh, here. Then the UAE started setting up free zone companies. I think the first one was 1982. Uh, the father of Sheikh Mohammed dredged the creek, built this huge deep water port, an early sign of entrepreneurism. And then they realized that there were so many amazing businessmen here who didn't feel as if they had ownership in the, in the country give them 100% ownership of their country, give them the ability to repatriate 100% hundred percent of their funds give them as I'm sure you've heard from Thani before me zero percent corporation tax zero percent income uh, uh, tax. That's an incentive, we, huh? I <laughs> didn't even know how to spell tax until about a year ago when when we introduced uh, VAT at five percent. Right, I noticed that. So a lot less than some of the other countries we travel to. Ex- exactly. So um, you know, so so they realise set up a zone where you can have a hundred percent ownership. Make people feel as if they can really put their roots in here. Now, I think there are about 60 different free zones. They used to specialize in, in particular areas. So you've got DMCC, which is is for trading, and, and, and uh, uh, Media City for the media industry. But increasingly, a lot of the free zones are quite generalist. So an entrepreneur can choose from 60, and each has its uh, sweet spot. Um, uh, and and so you know it, it's
0: it's it's quite a journey. Tell me how August and September went for you. Once Israel and the UAE make this announcement, ceremonies being planned, etc. Uh, a company like yours is is contacted by many, or you're reaching out to others. What what happens at that point to try to bring together some of those Israeli companies with who you know here in the UAE?
3: Well, you're doing the the Israel-UAE business council a disservice because obviously we'd planned this a long time before. (laughs) (laughs) You think that everything just (laughs) fell into place. No, I mean, look, we follow, um, Google is incredibly important uh, uh, for us and and we as a company monitor uh, the searches. So when people are are searching, for example, company formation Dubai, uh, business setup Dubai. So we're following that internationally. We've seen for quite some, Time that I can has imagine. Has that been must have increased like crazy. Exactly. But there was already right. quite a large part of interest. So, you know, we had reached out to the council and, and as, 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 as you know, uh, uh, they have uh, tremendous resources. And One of the most important things um, when you're stepping into a foreign uh, country is trust, is feeling safe um the uae has uh, for you know just about to celebrate 50 years of of existence and for all of that time it is it has had little resource it's had to try harder it's had to establish itself as an easy place to do business and, and to work with lots of different cultures and, and so on and so on so this was replicated again uh, uh, here with with open arms and uh, one of one of your team was asking me for example about setting up a bank accounts right. and it's you know it, it is amazing that there's almost a red carpet rolled out at the moment because we want to remove um, the stereotype that you might expect and people are so honestly you know I've been here 26 years and in, in my business I was always selling to people I was a publisher I was trying to sell them advertising in the magazines now in back in new york or in london that meant we had to take you for lunch and persuade you here no (laughs) chance it's the other way around it's my home i'm going to look after you so that that thing to be a host is is incredibly we've been feeling that hospitality here
0: by the way at a different level It puts on the (laughs) calories it's unbelievable (laughs) and just the friendliness and the generosity that whole attitude is something that you know new york may be nice but it's it, it certainly doesn't have the level of uh of uh, cooperation, we do have better bagels. <laughs> that's Currently. one. That's one thing that we could we <laughs> could still take pride in. Um, so now, on the uh, Neil Patches with us on the Israel piece, uh, and I don't mean P E A C E. I mean the whole piece <laughs> that uh, uh, that now has been introduced into the business world. Uh, is it only going to be? Tech companies that people here are looking at. Are there other investment opportunities? What What do you think is going to happen business-wise that this corridor has now been opened officially? Well,
3: firstly, I think there's two categories of of people. There are those that want to come and set up to actually um, uh, conduct their business in the UAE, and I'll break that down in a second. Um, the the second uh, category which I think is Im- amazingly important is, is Israelis who are structuring their global business who previously I believe corporation tax there is 70% or something like it's that. It's high. 70? <laughs> zero. Do Big the, difference. Do the math. <laughs> we say maths in England but do the math. So obviously there's a lot of people who might previously have been using Cyprus, Malta, Gibraltar right. to structure their companies. Well with the Deepest of respect to wonderful, lovely Cyprus. Look at the buildings you've got here. Look, at, you know, this, this is more is in the way that Israelis roll, in, in my opinion. And Dubai's been planning to make itself attractive uh, uh, for a couple of years. And when it plans to do something, it executes it. brilliantly. on steroids. Exactly. <laughs> so you can structure yourself in a sovereign. Country that has a great reputation for neutrality, and you can, so you can be incredibly tax efficient. You can run your global business. Look, you've got, you know, arguably the world's uh, best airline. You've got, as I already mentioned, the deep water ports. You've got amazing infrastructure. You've got a great. You, you set people up for location. success.
0: You set people up for success. Yeah, exactly. The tax structure addresses that, and everything you just mentioned addresses and that. And the second part of it is
3: Israeli companies who are seeking to sell themselves globally. We've seen this a lot: China wanting to to branch out to Africa. If you have a made in the UAE, a made in Dubai stamp, that adds a certain amount of credibility. That again, that reputation of being a peaceful trading nation, and so on and so on. People know it and trust it. They like to come here and, and do business. So we really are a hub. So zone my company, we we are deliberately we're, we're just about to open zone CIS in Kazakhstan. Congratulations. Why? Thank you very much. Kazakhstan, because Kazakhstan has a number of unique agreements with China. So China coming all the way through the Middle East to Europe to Africa and of course to, to Israel. So so Israelis wanting to do that that's one category. Then what about the people here? Yes, we can. If we threw a stone from this lovely 21st uh, uh, story office that you have here, we could hit the fintech hub in in DIFC. I mentioned DIFC, and I do want to say to you guys because a lot of the, there have been some questions coming to me. We did a, a, a Zoom call with the Business Council two weeks ago. The difference between a mainland setup and a free zone setup. So, the free zone setups do allow you to use common law, English law, which means that if any dispute uh, uh, arises, it can be seen not by the Sharia courts but by essentially uh, British law. And that's right. very, very important. So, people should know they can have 100%. Ownership and that, and they can be using the UK law to adjudicate should that ever uh, be the place. So fintech. 100% i think that the the majority of companies will want to come here will want to dip their toe in the water will not want to open up a huge great office in the first 3 seconds of course there are going to be some that will do right. that but the ones that we'll can dip their toe exactly uh, you know minimal manpower etc etc and, and and we can do that incredibly quickly so that's going to be in terms of numbers of companies where most of it comes from management consultancy business consultancy digital service Okay. Go ahead.
0: No, I was gonna say I apologize because we have other guests to get to. No Uh, problem. Uh Neil Petch, first of all, thank you for honoring us by visiting us here in this mobile studio. It's awesome. As we told this story to our listeners. And (laughs) secondly as a token of appreciation and as, as and as evidence that you were part of this historic broadcast, we are presenting to you a Nahum Siegel Network, Dubai wow. 2020 t-shirt, which I'm sure you will Sorry. wear to your next prominent business meeting. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, and just following thony I used to live in New York
3: And I'm a Jets fan, a Mets fan. A Jets fan, finally. So whatever he was saying, (laughs) go Jets.
0: (laughs) Go Jets is right. (laughs) Unfortunately for you and I, there there hasn't been much of a reason to go Jets this year. What to do. At least it shows I'm a real fan. (laughs) That's for sure. That's for sure. When you're rooting for a team with no wins, you are in fact a real fan. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. Thank you, Neil. Thanks so much for joining us. It's much appreciated. We have more coming up here as JMAM continues, and I am told that uh, Ross Creel, Is with us, and of course, um, uh, for us, he has been our very first from the very beginning of this whole process, from back in August and September, the very first person introduced to us as the leader of the Jewish community here in uh, Dubai. And we had an opportunity to have him welcome us the other day, and now we have an opportunity to speak with him for another few minutes uh, from what is being utilized as his temporary jce right would that be the the proper way of putting it this is your temporary synagogue and your uh, temporary location until please god uh the synagogue is ready which hopefully will be i hope in the next few weeks or so would that make sense would that be
2: it would make perfect sense. just move this up i'm sorry just like this there we go there we go <laughs> welcome it would make perfect sense
0: and hopefully that'll uh happen soon we'll be able to be able to is right um, and I'm sure they look. The hospitality in this city, in general, is amazing. In this building, we were treated today mm-hmm. with such generosity and hospitality; it's incredible. And mm-hmm. this is where you are housed on Friday and Shabbat uh, for your synagogue needs. So Baruch Hashem. You know, I was g- reviewing some of the notes that I um, that I took from our previous conversations, and you used uh, an expression that I think has to be emphasized to this audience, mm-hmm. and that was that peace is its own dividend uh, there's always been this impression that in order to achieve peace with people uh, who've been enemies of ours especially in Israel's case uh, there has to be tremendous concessions uh, yet for some reason when it came to the UAE uh, there has been this progress and success in the area of peace without any major concessions why has peace as a dividend worked so well for the leaders of this country?
2: Mm. Nahum, I'm just going to tell you, your listeners, what um, the leaders of the UAE have said in answer to that question. And I think the answer that they've given is that the other strategy was tried. <laughs> and, uh, Been there, know, done that. Huh? Exactly. <laughs> post Khartoum, 67, the three no's, it was tried. And it didn't demonstrate um, progress for the region and progress towards peace in the region. And the Emirati leaders are saying the time has come when a strategy has failed to consider alternative strategies that might work. And I think it's just as simple as that. And in fact, you're right to say that this is the first deal. I mean, of course, the other peace treaties were with Egypt and Jordan, where right. this is a peace-for-peace peace deal. There is no land swap or any kind of land uh, issue. Um, of course, the UAE and Israel were never at war anyway. Um, and I think it it's... Uh, it's a very powerful um, It's a very powerful concept that pieces its own dividend. And um, you've been in the city now for one or two days, and you've seen the number of Israeli business people that are here. And The Hebrew uh, that's being spoken, exactly. the kippot
0: that are being worn. I know. I you know, know, I know that you can't wear a kippah in many countries of Europe I I in I 2020. And in the UAE, not only are you wearing it, and am I wearing it, mm-hmm. but you feel comfortable wearing it. Sure you do.
2: No, it's extraordinary, and and um, but but to to return to your question, the peace will be a huge dividend for the region, reciprocally, um, for and um, the UAE, for Israel, and hopefully for the broader region. One of
0: the things I noticed, as you know, we've been speaking to people involved in the community for the last day or two. I don't, re- and we've had the ability to, thank God, travel the world and be in in different cities around the world with uh, special broadcasts. I don't remember. Jewish leaders going out of their way to praise the government, the host government where they live. I don't even remember it ever happening, certainly not to the degree that we're hearing on this trip. And to me, that's amazing. It's amazing Mm -hmm. that Jewish people in the United Arab Emirates feel not only comfortable enough, but I I think obligated Mm -hmm. to always cite the incredible leadership that the uh, leaders of this country give not only everybody but specifically the Jewish community.
2: Well, it's an obligation spiritually to show gratitude, um, but it's not. An I don't obli- know if you
0: would do it in South Africa, though.
2: Well, what I want to say is that I've lived in many different countries, and um, I've experienced many different governments, and I do have to tell you honestly that this is the first time in my life where I've been in a country where I deeply admire. The, the leadership and the government, I just do. And um, the reason we mention that and say that is because we feel it. Um, it's something that we, um, it's based on our experience here. Interestingly, I've been to Morocco where like we do here, they make a prayer for right. the King, the right. sixth uh, And I think they also feel a sense of deep gratitude towards the leadership there. But over here, it's something we deeply feel. And you only have to be here for a couple of days to understand why we feel that way. First of all, you see what an extraordinary achievement this city is. Twenty-five years ago, there was, you know, none of this um, extraordinary metropolis existed. Uh, A dust track, you know, between Dubai and Abu Dhabi, and look at it now. Including where we're sitting right now, I'm told. (laughs) Exactly. So it's just an extraordinary, miraculous achievement. But more importantly for us as Jewish leaders, we've experienced the embrace We've experienced the Islamic tolerance. We've experienced the um, courage and the um, vision that the leaders have shown towards us and our community. And we respect them for it and want to express our gratitude. And we do that not um, formally. Um, Jews all around the world make a prayer for the government. We do it, and it's in the liturgy. But uh, you do it with a lot of sincerity, though. (laughs) I I have to say that there have been times when the prayers made and you know people in the community smile a bit, etc. Here, everybody stands. Um, The amen that is said afterwards is deeply felt, and as the community grows and flourishes over the years ahead, any Jew coming here will immediately understand why that prayer is said with such sincerity and meaning.
0: Ross Creel is here. We, we only suggest that Jews move to one place. That's been our policy for the last many decades. True. But with that in mind, um, because of the circumstance we're in right now, and I don't mean COVID, I mean because we're visiting here, do you think there'll be an increase in the Jewish community, people actually right. moving here from other parts of the world?
2: Well, what I, what I want to say is this. I speak as a Diaspora Jew. Um you are as well obviously we we um, love Israel as our national homeland, but I do want to say that the beauty of what 's happening now is that there's an opportunity for Israel to look outward again, uh especially in the region right and look at the countries around the region um that are friendly towards Israel and see the benefit of ties with Israel, not just economically but also socially and culturally and there's a there's a sense of um wanting to build bridges. And my view as a dashboard Jewish leader is that our community has relevance in that regard, just as yours does. That the Jews living outside of Israel are ambassadors, ambassadors of the Jewish people, creating Jewish embassies all around the world. And that we have uh, a mission, uh, a sacred uh, mission, so to speak, that is relevant to the whole world. Um, And not just to specifically the Jewish community in the world. And I, the reason I'm here is because I believe in that mission. And I'm hoping that as we move forward into this new phase with Israel looking outward with a sense of confidence and optimism, that the dashboard communities around the world um, uh, will have a relevance, um, um, not only to the Jews that are living there, but also to Israel itself, that will be considered beneficial and good. And what we want to achieve is a deep convergence between Israel and the diaspora communities around the world, a sense of each other's relevance and importance in um, building Jewish life, um, in advancing Jewish causes, and ultimately creating the unity of the Jewish people, which is what we all want.
0: Any special plans for Hanukkah for the city of Dubai?
2: True. We we have lovely Hanukkah events. Um, You know, There's a beautiful moment now in Hanukkah where our Hanukkah are coming out. Previously, in previous years, we lit them inside, which halakhically you can do. But now the miracle is being publicized, and this will be uh, the first
0: time that it's like that.
2: Uh, yes, I think it, I think wow. it's fair to say. If I think about the social history of our community, I think it's fair to say that this will be the first time that there will be truly public lightings of our of, of our Khanakia. Do you think government
0: um, officials will attend some of them, or they wouldn't go to that degree? Um,
2: we getting it's all you know. We have to we have to take it a step. It's a step-by-step um, process, right. um, um, but we the the time will come, certainly in the city, uh, if not this year, but in years to come, when we will have dignitaries attend the lighting of the Hanukkah menorah, and all of us will celebrate the miracle together. Um, um, and um, it's uh, you know the miracle. We, you know we we say that the miracle occurred there. When we, when we spin our dreidels, yep. and the truth is a miracle occurs here. Uh, we have a deep sense of that.
0: And we're feeling it, I can tell you that much. The history of all this is being felt. And finally, and we discussed this the other day when you joined us for our first broadcast, and I'm so glad that you took this position, it is vital that we continue to remind, and I would use a stronger word frankly, Jews in the diaspora, that there are real, legitimate partners for peace in the Muslim world and you said you would spend a lot of time over the next few years drumming that into as many people's mm-hmm. minds as possible and mm-hmm. i i join you in that quest because i think it's one of the most important messages of this entire journey
2: well i really appreciate your coming out here and um taking that message back to your listenership um i think that it's important now to have a complete reset in terms of the way that we view the arabic world i put that in inverted commas by the way and the Islamic world as well. Right. The tolerance that you're exploring here is—it's is, is, um, an Islamic tolerance. Um, it's based on the Quran, and it's based on a deep understanding of what the Quran is. Going back to the Constitution of Medina, which um, imagined um, a citizenship that extended beyond Muslims, and giving a modern um, uh, spin on that, using that as a modern way to regulate a beautiful plural society, as you see here in Dubai and the UAE. And it's so important for Jews all around the world to come and experience that and see it for themselves.
0: Ross, thank you. You made our day on September the 15th when you joined us with a eyewitness report and with all the excitement of being in Washington. And I'm so glad that we were able to meet here in the UAE.
2: It's so lovely to have you.
0: Appreciate that very much. Ross Krill, everybody, if you come to Dubai, if you come to the UAE and you're looking for a leader of the Jewish community, look up Ross Krill. And make sure to mention to him that you heard him on the air with us at JM in the AM. More coming up. It is the end of hour number one of our broadcast for uh, for the third JM in the AM broadcast of this trip as we continue at JM in the AM. in the a.m. Thursday broadcast. That's Alvin Fried. We'll try to do a little bit more of that later on and I want to uh, again acknowledge RJ Kunzler and the incredible and I mean incredible theme song "Salam" that he covered for our journey to Dubai. We have a lot of people to thank. A lot of people to thank on this Thursday morning broadcast. A lot of people to thank. Start with our chairman, Ralph Rosenbaum, Rosenbaum Financial Services, TaxCPA2.com, TaxCPA2.com. He has been an eyewitness to every radio encounter we've had this week here in the UAE. Um, Those of you who want important tips regarding your financial planning, TaxCPA2.com. Um... I want to thank Aaron's Casino Farms and Aaron's West Orange. I don't know what that means. Aaron's Casino Farms and Aaron's West Orange. Uh, uh, Okay. (laughs) Oh, you want to turn on Miriam L. Wallach's microphone, please? Did I do the idea at the top of the No.
2: That's what I'm trying to tell you.
0: It's America's (laughs) one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web and Alchem and the Alchem Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. And documented by uh, photographer, videographer, and uh, brilliant travel uh, documentarian, Mr. Meir Kruder, who you can reach at kruder.com, K-R-U-T-E-R.com. He's also a brilliant artist. I actually have one of his works hanging in my home. And um, uh, his art does sell for pretty exorbitant prices, so make sure you're in a certain category uh, before you uh, explore Mayor make recruiter's uh, artwork. But if you're an art lover, go to the website and see what I'm talking about. So Aaron's Casino Farms and Aaron's West Orange, uh, they are uh, an amazing shopping experience, and everything that you need tonight for Hanukkah they have, whether it's food or baked goods, delicious uh really good decorative uh, plates and cutlery for Hanukkah, uh, special Hanukkah tablecloths and uh, and the little tchotchkes that will enhance your Hanukkah celebration. It's all there at Aaron's. Go to Aaron's Casino Farms in Queens. CasinoFarms.com. Go to Aaron's West Orange. Orange.com KosherTravelers.com. They've got cruises. They've got Pesach programs. They've got Israel. They've got safaris. They've got exotic locations. And they have the UAE. You know, KosherTravelers.com is offering a program mm. where you can actually go to the UAE. You're on. You can go to the UAE for Yeshiva break, right? and you can meet friends and family from Israel there in January in the UAE. We would never recommend someone leave Israel, but now some people may need a couple of days out of Israel because of COVID-19 just to see family and friends. You could do that uh, with the uh, KosherTravelers.com outfit and David Wallace and his staff. Uh, In fact, the other day, he he asked me to remind everybody that when it comes to KosherTravelers.com, They can prepare and they can make sure that everybody has what they need. They call themselves a one-stop solution. You come to Dubai, they'll tell you where to stay, where to eat, and where to pray. And they'll take good care of you. So koshertravelers.com, check them out online. Uh, Also want to thank Ariella Steinreich and Steinreich Communications, Cross River Bank, Jules Gade, Phil Goldfeder & Company want to thank uh, Morty Getz and everybody at Mm-hmm. And, of course, our friends at the Rothenberg Law Firm. And I remind everybody that uh, this portion of NSN Programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H. Ables and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old World Classics, beef fry kishka, and more. And modern, better-for-you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net and try a h today. That was a special edition of JM Rewind featuring some of the conversations we had last week in Dubai. We thank you for tuning in. More coming up here at the Nahum Segal Network.